Welcome to our House of Hope podcast series. Dr. Sola Famican and the Message The Christian and Personal Devotion Life Part 3. Continue our successful Christian Living Series Part 15. By the grace of God, um, we are still continuing in our series of successful Christian living. And um, this particular aspect deals with uh, the Christian and personal devotion. So this will be the third in that series. And uh, by way of uh, recapping, I'm just going to share with us very quickly what we learned last week. Essentially, last week, uh, we were dealing with uh, the Word of God, the Bible. And uh, we said that the Bible is God's mind revealed to us. We said that it outlines his promises, principles, and prophecies. We said that the promises are the basis for faith. Because once God has spoken and you believe it, it is settled. We said the principles provide guidance, wisdom, focus, and stability. We talk about the prophecies. We said the prophecies comfort us for today, give us hope for the future, and strengthens our faith. So if those three, if they encapsulate the will of God for our lives, what must we do? We said that it is incumbent upon us to prepare our heart to do the will of God. However, how do we do it if we do not know it? John chapter 7 verse 17 answers the question. Say, if anyone wants to do his will, what must he do? He shall know concerning the doctrine. And that, it was on that plank that we built uh, uh, that uh, last week's uh, study. So what do we do with the word of God? We said, number one, we must study. Number two, we must meditate on it. We say it is not sufficient to read, to study, but we must also do what? Meditate on it. What is meditation? We say meditation on the word specifically means to focus. We said it means focused thought on the word. And we said that that is the gateway to revelation, where the intangible becomes visible, touchable, tangible. Praise God. We said that the scriptures are inspired by God. It has its source in his heart. And because of that, we said that the scriptures are authentic, they are infallible, and the authority on every issue under this God's heaven is final. We said, what is the purpose of the scriptures? We look at that, not take time to go through all that. Then we look at what the Bible can do in our lives. And we went ahead to look at uh, how to study the Bible. We said, um, number one, we must do it prayerfully. Number two, we must do it systematically. Then we look at some personal Bible study methods. Number one, topical. Number two, book by book study. Number three, reading through. Number four, memorization. And we concluded with a little warning. We said that we should not read our Bible to get a message to preach or an exhortation to give. 
Rather, we should read the Bible to see ourselves. The Bible calls it the perfect law of liberty. The Bible describes the word of God as mirror. And we emphasize the fact that it would be absurd for you to stand in the front of a physical mirror, natural mirror, and be seeing somebody else. So in the same vein, when you look in the mirror of the word of God, you must see yourself. Otherwise, something is wrong. And we know nothing is wrong with the word. Something has to be wrong with us. Praise God. We concluded by saying that until we see God, we can neither see ourselves nor anything else accurately. Why? Because God is light. And it is in his light alone that we see light. So that was how we concluded the study for last week. And today, by the grace of God, we'll look at uh, the second element of a fruitful devotion. We said that study of the word is the first element. The second element is uh, prayer. I know somebody say, well, we know that now. We've been praying. Yes, yeah, it's true. It's true. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. That is the more reason why I feel so incompetent to teach this because it's the Holy Spirit himself that can teach us this topic. And I'm just believing him that this morning he will take us a step further from where we are, what we already know in Jesus' name. So what is prayer? Prayer is unarguably one of the most taught topics in Christendom. Personally, I can't remember how many messages I've listened to have had on prayers. And I said that last week and the week at the upper week that when God brings something to our attention that we should have known that we already knew, it is beca not because it's talkative, it is because there is a need. So we are looking at prayer today. I know I'm talking to a congregation of prayer warriors. Praise the Lord. <laughs> the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. You see, when we study the word of God, God speaks to us, right? So there comes a time we need to respond to him. That is what we do in the place of prayer. We said that I, I need to let us know that studying the word and the prayer, both of them are essential for a successful Christian experience. In the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we saw the apostle, the disciples of Jesus after he was gone. The Bible says, and they continue steadfastly. In other words, they do it dutifully. They were firm in it. They were unwavering. In what? In the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in their prayer. There are four elements that characterized their fellowship. Prayer was principal there. And uh, their corporate prayers, if you read through the book of Acts, carry significant firepower. Kings tremble whenever they come together to pray. In fact, heaven acknowledges that they have prayed. You will read in the book of Acts that as they were praying, the place where they were gathered was shaken. And they were baptized afresh in the Holy Ghost. That is an evidence from heaven that they, they have touched the throne. Praise the Lord. Amen. 
How did they achieve this? It is because their individual prayer altars were roaring with the flames of effectual prayer. No wonder they were very strong, they were resilient, they were resistant. You beat them here, blue and black. They get off from there to go back and do exactly what you told them not to do. Praise the Lord. Only people who has been helped by God in the place of prayer does that. So, can we conclude on them this way? That whenever a prayer meeting becomes laborious and oppressive, and the heavens are like brass, it may be that most came with only cold ashes and few with pure fire. That is when five minutes prayer seems like five hours to us. John Knox was a revivalist of the 15th century. He lived in Scotland. He was the one who established the Presbyterian Church. The Queen of Scotland, during his day, has this to say about him. He said, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the assembled armies of Europe. At least at that time, I know that the armies of Europe combined could not be less than 10,000 men. The queen said, I fear this man's prayer more than all this army combined. Such was the power and the effect of his prayer. John Knox was actually confirming James chapter 5, verse 16. The Bible said, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. How many righteous men? One. So if our prayers neither bother the demons in hell, nor his accomplices here or not, it means we have lessons to learn from men like this. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. So very quickly, what is prayer? What is prayer? Prayer is a soul's outcry to God. You know, if a man is drowning, he won't be singing choruses, right? What will he be doing? He will scream. He will be splattering water all over the place because he's looking for how to be saved. They don't keep quiet. So, prayer is a soul's outcry to God. It is simply talking to God. And I love us to read Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. I am presenting that scripture to us in four different versions. I want you to take a very careful look. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Isaiah 1.18, New King James Version say, Come now, let us reason together, say the Lord. The message version of the Bible says, Come, sit down, let's argue this out. This is God's message. The Living Translation says, Come, let's talk this over, says the Lord. The New International Version of the Bible says, Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. So, let's wrap all this scripture together and glean out these few facts. Number one, prayer is an invitation from God. Did you notice from all those scriptures that he said, Come? What is the meaning of come? It is come. Abi? 
<laughs> Praise God. <laughs> come, it's come. But let me ask this question. Mommy, God bless you, ma. If I said, come, what would be the correct response to that? You will most likely stand up and come to me, right? Okay, what if you stood up, look at me and turn around and walk out of the church? Or in the alternative, you raised your head, looked at me, and you continue to do what you were doing. Praise God. How do we, how will you, how will you interpret that reverse action? I welcome contribution from us very quickly. We don't have the time. We, I know we are not in Bible study. What would you say was wrong with that attitude? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Amen. You will most likely say, ah, what's wrong with this mommy? He must be proud. How can you behave like that? She must be proud. Praise the Lord. So when the God of heaven say, come, what must we do? You go. That's what you do. That's the correct response to read. He say, come. What is the correct response to come? You rise up and go. Go to him. Unfortunately, that is not what we do all the time. And you see, failure to go is tantamount to snubbing him. Just like if mommy just look at me and continue to do what she was doing before. The right word to use would be, ah, why did she snub him like that? Snub, that is the word. It's tantamount to pride and irreverence. So, let's conclude like this, that not seeking God in prayer is an act of irreverence. Let's confirm whether the scripture backs that up. Psalm 10 verse 4 says, The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. The equation of his life is balanced, and the balance cannot be tilted. He doesn't need God doesn't need too much religion. The Bible says such a man is proud. And it is pride that goes before what? May God help us in the name of Jesus. Number two things about that, from that scripture. Prayer is now. Prayer is when? Now. It is now. If you look at that scripture, say, come, when? Now. Is it tomorrow? Next week? Two hours time, he said, come when? Now. This very moment. So prayer is a burning issue. It is the current affair. God wants you to attend to it all the time, regularly, personally. Praise the Lord. So prayer is what? It's now. The invitation to pray is, what? is when? It's now. This very moment. That's why 2 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 says, Pray without ceasing. We will get there. Praise the Lord. Prayer is discussing the matters arising with God. 
You see, as we're sitting down here right now, some of us, as we're driving from home to church this morning, suddenly our car starts producing one strange noise. That is a matter that is arising. As we were closing from work on Friday, an email suddenly floated in. And when you read, the content was not good at all. That is a matter arising. Your little girl suddenly jumped off from her sleep and screamed. You had to spend two hours to pacify her. And you were wondering what exactly was that? That is a matter arising. Matters are arising in our lives every day, per second, per second. As you are sitting there, maybe there was a pain you were not feeling before you got to church. You suddenly started feeling the pain. What is that? That is a matter that just arose. So prayer is discussing the matter that is arising in our lives and around us with whom? With God. Prayer is simple. It's simply talking the matter arising in our lives with God. Praise the Lord. However, prayer has depth. Uh, there are the dimensions that the Bible calls groaning and agonizing prayer. You know, when somebody is praying and you cannot hear what, you just know that it's like he's in pain. Obviously, that was what Hannah was doing. And Eli said, get out of this place. How can you be this drunk at this time of the morning? There is the dimension of groaning and agonizing prayer. There is the dimension of weeping prayer. There is the dimension of gesticulating prayer. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, when you, when you start with and then you start coming down as you continue, your spirit starts coming down, you get to a point that all you are doing is just say, you see, Lord, if you don't help me now, my own is finished. At this level, you know that I have messed up. And you are just gesticulating before, as if he's standing before you like this. At that time, you are not closing your eyes. You are not closing your eyes. You are not doing Sharababa any longer. It is you and him. You just know that you have come to the place of help. If you are not helped here, you are done. So there is the level of gesticulating prayer. You don't Sharababa at that time. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. I'm going to read to us from the Message Bible. It says, meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside, helping us along. Hallelujah. He said, if we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. So there is that level when the Holy Spirit has taken over. You could be there for four hours. I remember many years ago, one of my best friends in life, we went visiting my sister somewhere up north. We're in National Youth Service. I came from my station. He came from his station. I was sleeping in the same room. I was just woken up in the night by something. And I discovered I was sitting in one corner of the room. I was I raised my cover cloth and I looked at him for a while. No, I knew that uh, he was a man of prayer. 
I raised it. I pulled it down. After a while, something told me, you are missing. So I jumped up. Me too. I went to look for somewhere to sit down. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because maybe he was having an encounter. Who knows? Maybe God will have mercy on me too. I had to launch into my own prayer. That was how we remained till daybreak. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Wordless sighs, aching groans. So why should a Christian pray? Christians should pray because the Bible teaches that we should pray. And because it is God's approved way for his people to tell him their needs. Philippians 4, he said, be anxious for nothing. How many things should we be anxious about? Nothing. Whether it is big or small, it's hurting or whatever. He said, be anxious. Don't be worried about anything. But what should we do? Say, but through prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. Do what? Make your request known unto God. And you know the, the, the sweetest part of that scripture is in verse 7. It says, and the peace of God that passes understanding, inexplainable, will keep your heart and mind. What else are you looking for? Praise the Lord. So for us Christians, prayer is not only the way of making our needs known to God but also a necessary spiritual exercise that reinforces our spiritual stamina. In the book of Luke chapter 22, verse 43, as a Calvary loomed large before Jesus, and it was like, yeah, so this is going to really happen. Father, you mean I'm going to go through this really? The Bible says he wanted to dodge it. Jesus Wanted to dodge it. And as he prayed, the Bible says, he said, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. But he knew the answer already. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but, your, but yours be done. And in verse 43, the Bible says, then an angel appeared to him from heaven. Doing what? Strengthening him. You know, there are times when you are faced with some very critical decisions. Life-changing decisions. Decision that will redirect your destiny altogether. And you were wondering if you were going to get it right. And you were wondering if you are going to get the right answer. If you are going to make the right choice. At that time, as you get on your knees, you don't know what is happening in the spirit realm. The disciple who God gave the grace to write this aspect of the Bible saw an angel, probably God decided to open his eyes so that he can document, so that we can learn from that. In the same vein, as you sit down or you get on your knees or you are lying on your back or on your belly or whatever posture you decide to take, as you are trying to take that critical decision, you are seeking God's face. You don't know what is being worked out a support system for you in the spirit realm. Probably God is sending angels to strengthen you, to give you understanding, to give you wisdom and insight, to be able to dissect issues appropriately and take the right decision. And then you rise up from there and say, praise, Lord, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And then you go ahead and take your decision and everything works out fine. 
So for us, Christian prayer is not only a way of making our needs known to God, but also a necessary spiritual exercise that reinforces our spiritual stamina. If you don't want to be a weakling spiritually, you must do what? You must pray. And I'm not talking about when they call for prayer in church. Prayer is the staff with which the Christian works with God. I say that prayer is your life support. Where I come from, it is only the old, 70, 80, 90 or more, that are using walking stick, the one we call staff. Because at that time, they cannot trust their physical strength to carry them alone. They cannot depend on the strength of their feet, their knees, their muscle has shrunken. If you allow them to stand alone, they are shaking like this. So they use walking stick as life support. That is what prayer is. A hymn writer said that, that prayer is a life support. It's a staff for the Christian. Praise the Lord. So if you don't want to totter, you don't want to, you know, stagger and stumble in the race and the journey of life, you must do what? You must take seriously your life support. Prayer. Praise the Lord. You must pray because there is a devil. <laughs> he is wicked and vicious and merciless and cunning and callous as well. He is after you. He's after me. So if you don't cry out for help, the one who can deliver you and give you victory over him. It means you are giving yourself up to him to play around with. First Peter 5, 8 and I say, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. What must you do? He say, who do what? Resist steadfastly in the faith. So the tool with which you resist the devil is your faith. And I think in the last study, I did mention that uh, the more the word of God in your spirit, the larger your shield of faith is coming at you. What do you raise? You turn your back and run? No. That's not what the Bible prescribes. You raise your shield of faith to combat him. We must pray because there will be temptation. There will always be temptations. You know, uh, temptation will always come. And um, it is not a sin to be tempted. We know that one by now, right? It's not a sin to be tempted. It's just like a bird flying over your head. You know, carrying pieces of grass, looking for somewhere to build a nest. Is anything wrong with that? There's not, but if the bird is coming, I want to build a nest in your hair. That is when you know that there is a problem. You need to do something. So, because there will be temptations, we must pray. That was Jesus' antidote. Let me show you in the book of Matthew 26, verse 4. I say, wash and pray. 
so that you do not enter into temptation. Praise the Lord. Because the flesh is weak, we must pray. Our Lord Jesus Christ said this to the disciples. In the book of Mark 2, chapter 26, verse 41b, Jesus said, The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Romans 8, 7 to 8 said, The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Consequently, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot also. It is by the armor of prayer that you bring the flesh to subjection to your spirit. You tell the flesh, come on, sit down here. That is the way you do it. Praise the Lord. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. So prayer will strengthen the spirit and overpower the flesh, bringing the flesh under subjection. I love this from, uh, I love this from uh, um, E.M. Bounds, who writes powerful books timeless books on prayer. Listen to it. It says, prayer, secret, fervent, believing prayers, lies at the root of all personal godliness. So if we're going to live a godly life in this corrupt world, prayer is inevitable. If you are not praying, you are playing. Praise the Lord. Next point, when should a Christian start to pray? When should we begin to pray? Number one, if you are just born again, you just gave your life to Christ one week ago, three days ago, one month ago, three months ago, you must begin to pray immediately. Why? Because now God is your father. You can now say, my father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God is now your father. You can sit down and discuss the matters arising in your life with him. Praise the Lord. Of course, you want to ask yourself, when does a baby begin to cry? Eh? Two weeks after he is born, when does he begin to cry? In fact, it is an evidence that the baby is alive and healthy. If you give birth to a baby and uh, what does the nurses normally do? They start slapping the bonbon. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> so if you are a new convert, begin to pray, God is your father. Talk to him. How many of us, our fathers, are still alive here? Not many. Thank God for you. My own is living in heaven. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But while he lived, we had nice times together. And in those days, we would talk, we would discuss. He would rebuke me. He would correct me. He would love me. He would do everything. We had a nice time. So if your father is still alive, please take good care of him. God bless you in Jesus' name. Praise God. So for older believers, the Bible says to pray at all times. First Thessalonians 5, 7, they say pray without ceasing. King David in the book of Psalm 5, verse 3, say, My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. Hallelujah. Also, he went for that, said, mm -mm, that one is not enough. Psalm 55, verse 17, say, evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry out aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He was convinced that he will hear his voice. You should be convinced by now as a child of God that God hears prayers. Hallelujah. He said, I have not called the seed of Jacob to do what? To seek me in vain. He said, call upon me. 
and I will answer you. And I will do what? I will show you great and mighty that will blow your mind. Praise the Lord. So, if you are an older believer, pray without ceasing. How do you pray without ceasing? The first time, many years ago, when I read that, how do you pray without ceasing? I was imagining that I'm going on the road and I'm doing, in the name of Jesus. And I'm praying that I was going like that. If you do that one on the road, if somebody is coming towards you and he sees you do that, what do you think he will do? He will cross to the other side of the road. Because he will say, I don't know what is wrong with this man. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> okay, so how do we pray without ceasing? There is something we call one breath prayer. One breath prayer. We're not talking to no Father in the name of Jesus. Hey, all these demons that are disturbing me. In the name of Jesus. No, that's not what we are talking about. We are talking of something like, Lord, I need your help now. Maybe you are in the office and you are working and you just came stuck with a particular problem and you have a very critical deadline to meet and you couldn't find your way around it. Lord Jesus, I need you now. Holy Spirit, I need your help. As you are typing, as you are trying to get around the issue, making phone calls, one breath prayer, not long prayer. You can do that all day long. You know what it does? It ensures that you are in constant connection with the headquarters where help comes from. Praise the Lord. Number three thing, this is general. Okay? When you sense a shift in the spirit realm, it is time to pray. If at that time you can't pray, I miss. In the book of Daniel, chapter 9, verse 2 to 3, as an example, the Bible says, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah, the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem will last 70 years. What did he do from verse 3? So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. He sensed a shift or a potential shift in the spirit realm. The Bible talks of the children of this, the, 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 the men of Issachar in the Bible. He said there were men who understand the times and the season, what Israel should do. Do you know what Israel should do? May I ask you, what is the time, what is the season that your family is in right now? You are in your third year on a critical academic program. What is, what is lying ahead? What season exactly can you say you are in? Because when you understand the season that you are in, you will know exactly what to do. If everybody is running helter skelter, hey, hey, diesel, you will just stay calm. Because you understand the time and the season that you are in. Because you know that uh, your Redeemer is just around the corner. So Daniel understood the time and the season. And so what did he do? He didn't consult with anybody. He, didn't have, he knew that uh, the time is set. All I need is just a little push in prayer. And heaven will respond. Because it has been documented, he knew that God cannot lie. 
and he was reading the word of his prophet. And he calculated, what, 69th week? It is time to pray. So when you sense a shift in the spirit realm, it is time to gather your prayer mat or whatever you used to pray and uh, go in ashes and a sack cloth before the Lord because deliverance is around the corner. The Lord will bless us in Jesus' name. In conclusion, Elijah, the early church believers, John Knox, Charles Finney, mentioned them, all the heroes of faith, Henry Hagen, that has gone before us. They were all men that are subject to same frailties as we are. In their days, they prayed. What did they do? They prayed. There was a devil in their day. That devil is still alive and healthy. There were demons in those days, in their days. Lester Sumrall. <laughs> One day he sat down in his, uh, no, he was in his bedroom. He was in his bedroom in the night. He was sleeping around 2 a.m. He started hearing all kind of noise. You know, somebody was throwing things around in the living room downstairs, and the whole place was in disarray. The noise was so much. So he got up in anger and went to the head of the stairs and looked down. They saw one demon. So it was very black and very ugly. What did he do? If it were you, what would you do? You say, Jesus, sharababababa. <laughs> or you pick up your phone and call pastor or assemble the intercessors quickly. You know what he did? He just looked at him like we would do in my tribe. He just hissed. He said, so it's only you. Just went back to sleep. <laughs> that was the end of the matter. Praise the Lord. So these men, they prayed in their days. And when they did, kings tremble, kingdoms quake as they meet out judgment in righteousness right on their knees. They determine what happens and what is forbidden according to the law of their God. They left their imprints on their generation. My question is, are we going to do the same? If not, what is our excuse? Shall we rise up to pray? Holy Spirit, please help us. Can you just talk to the Lord this morning? I don't know where you are in your prayer life. I don't know the struggles that you are having right now. I don't know the resistance that is standing tall before you in prayer. Every time you try to pray, you just slip off. Can you talk to the Lord at this time? God is sending his arrow of deliverance. Can you talk to the Lord and ask the Lord to help you? Ask the Lord to help you. Ask the Lord to help you. There is no other two things to say. Just say, Lord Jesus, I need your help. Take my hand and lift me up in the name of Jesus. I am tired of this valley. Take my hand and lift me up, Lord Jesus. Talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord for your life. There is a higher ground. It doesn't matter where you are right now. There is a higher ground. There is a ground higher than where you are right now. There is a point of experience that is deeper than where you are right now. Talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord for your life. Lord, lift me up and let me stand 
By faith on it, most stable a higher ground than I have known. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Sing it one more time, Lord, lead me. our prayer Lord we are tired of where we are right now and we know Lord that there is a higher ground from the bottom of our heart this morning Lord we ask oh God each and every one of us that you take us from where we are right now Lord take us oh God to the next level in the place of prayer in the name of Jesus Lord, we are asking, oh God, that you will help us, that you will send, oh God, your east wind to blow away this cold ashes that has populated our altars for so long. Lord, oh God, you will help us to rearrange the wood. We will expose ourselves to the oil. And Lord, you will release your holy fire and charge us again in the name of Jesus. Your word says, no man carry fire in his bosom and remain at ease. Lord, we ask, oh God, ignite a fresh fire in our bosoms in the name of Jesus. Help us run, oh God, with this truth. Blessed be your holy name, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. And the people of God shall say, Amen. If you're in the Washington, D.C. region, visit in person at our address. Please subscribe to our podcast and watch us live. God bless you.